in the shallow, shallow. No. This fella Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. Penalties? What is penalties? <laughs> Who are Man United? Despite there being zero goals over the course of 270 minutes of action during Sunday's two big games, there's still plenty to talk about this week. So much so that I think something important has been overlooked. Claude Puel has been sacked as Leicester City manager. Oh, yeah! But we remember, or at least I remember, Claude Puel, if you're out there, we're here for you. Poor Claude Puel, the man who found Thierry Henry, a well-loved figure that whenever he gets a top job in France or in England, everyone just grows to hate him, even though he doesn't do that badly. I think he was well-liked Nice, was he? No, they wanted him to play better football. Did they? Yeah. Even Poor though Nice well. is probably his most expensive football that he's played, but yeah, he, got he wasn't like was it like Leon? He was up before Nice. He won. Did he not win did trophies he, at Leon? Did he was he at Leon? Yeah, because he, he got into a Champions League semi final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he kind of went to the wilderness for a short while, and then he came back at Nice. Does he uh, go back to the wilderness now? Yeah, I go back to France. I say, even though there's more money to be made in England, they'll probably get. Another. I don't think anyone in England is going to be wanting him. Aside, why not? Because <laughs> that's the second job he's been yeah, but from. What did he do wrong? Not much. Yeah, exactly. Boring. He didn't do anything wrong at, at Southampton either. It's just the he, fact that... Apparently he way overformed at Southampton to see where they well, are now. Well, apparently, yeah. When they finished eighth, they got to a yeah. Carabao Cup final. Yeah. If it was the Carabao Cup. Whatever. The League Cup final. The League Cup final. EFL Cup. I think that was the year it went without a sponsorship, actually. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Capital One Cup? That was before. We could go know. on and on. The, the Milk Carling Cup? Cup? It's always the Carling Cup to me. Coca-Cola that's, Cup? That's, that's my era of the competition. But yeah, Klopp, well... Carling Cup. Carling Cup. But uh, the rumours have got me very excited for who Leicester are going to bring in because big old Brendan Rodgers back in the big time. I don't know. If I was Brendan Rodgers, I wouldn't... It's not a big enough job. I know Leicester have won the league in recent years and they still do have an ownership behind them and they have some good players there. They're, they've got, And they've got good loan deals, which probably was sound to... Claude Puel and Claude Puel's brought through a few players yeah a lot of other managers I think he did well in the transfer window but like we said earlier like talking about Leicester in the past they're par for the course like I don't the the teams between 7th and 12th are interchangeable they're all of relative quality and it depends on what form they get at certain times of season who finishes in those positions and that's where they are. They could easily finish in 8th or ninth place. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. And they could easily finish down where they are, even a bit lower down. But they're safe. Nothing's going to happen to them. They're going to lose half their matches. They're going to win half their matches. It did. It was kind of the time for Puel to go, though. Like they, They've yet to win in 2019. They, yeah. they, uh, there was a lot of reports that he's fallen out with Jamie Vardy. And, you know, if you fall out with Jamie Vardy, that's the closest You're way to You're not having sacked. a party, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Because uh, the one man rules at Leicester City and that man is Jamie Vardy. Make Vardy the manager then. What are we at? Well, maybe why isn't Frank Lampard being linked with this job? Why, where's Craig Shakespeare in all this? Oh, big they, Craig. They're going to need an interim hey, manager. Hey, Champions League quarter finalist, Craig Shakespeare. He is. Uh, not yep. just Sevilla. Jose yep. Mourinho couldn't do that. Exactly. Um, but I wonder uh, who, what do they do between now and the summer? Because uh, besides nothingness. Mick McCarthy? <laughs> he could do a job. Martin, <laughs> Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill, yeah. <laughs> bring, bring back the there's plenty the of people out of work. Mark Hughes, you know, he's out of work. Well, Paul Scholes keeps losing matches at Oldham. I, does he? I haven't been keeping track. Yeah. 
Uh, but I saw both David Moyes and Big Sam through their hat in the rings. David Moyes would be an interesting one, but again, only interim. Yeah. I wouldn't give it to him permanently. <laughs> no. Big Sam. He did know. a good job at West Ham, though. Yeah, he did a bad job at Sunderland, though. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you've watched Sunderland until you Yeah, I You have. know how that club was ran. That is a mad, mad world <laughs> that Sunderland live in. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think they should go left field, because I think Leicester haven't gone... Hang Claudio on. Ranieri yeah I just, I just thought of it why don't we just bring back Claudio <laughs> well they're playing Fulham in a few weeks so we can have uh, why not? Why don't we bring in John Terry or will he be taken by then well he's he's doing the rounds in Sky Sports at the moment trying to get you know put his name out there well uh, he was he's trying to get that Chelsea match yeah, that he, Chelsea job I saw the joke of uh, there was a picture of him in the stands at a recent Chelsea I think it was the FA Cup match and I saw someone make the joke of uh, him leaning into the person beside him going brought in tie just in case they want to yeah. do the interview now <laughs> <laughs> and too true uh, I, could, I could see him we're, we're, we're jumping jobs very quickly but yeah I, don't, I think he's more likely to get that Chelsea job than he is necessarily <laughs> to get that uh, Leicester City job well uh, it'll be interesting to see do Chelsea replace the manager uh, Kepa Arisa Balaga at the club after what happened uh, at the weekend <laughs> you're oh. just shaking your head <laughs> well uh, Kepa's Chelsea side lost in the Carabao Cup final at the weekend 4-3 on penalties yeah there, there's, there's not much to say about that much nothing much happened I suppose there was yeah. no incidents no uh, no controversy went by uh, well, yeah, went by very quickly <laughs> nothing happened at all you know there was no 5 second elbow in the face uh, no. from Jorginho on uh, uh, Sergio Aguero there was no you know Nicolas Otamendi scoring one of the best scoring. own goals in history <laughs> by heading the ball directly at his keeper when there was no one within 10 yards of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nothing else happened in that match for what I can think. No, you know? I can't think of a scene. Uh, we might as well move Ross on. Ross Barkley oh. got subbed, you know, and yeah, uh, Kovacic yeah. didn't come on. That was interesting. Loftus-Cheek had that really nice first touch at that one point, yeah. one point in time. Yeah, it was a very quiet match altogether. Yeah, <laughs> of course, uh, Lister, somehow, if you have not heard... This bizarre story of Kepa Arisbalaga. Do you know what the most interesting thing about Kepa Arisbalaga is? What? His name is quite similar to Cesar Espelicueta, which you never thought you would find another player quite, you know, with that same kind of uh, consonants in their names. Well, that's Spanish for you, I guess. It is. It's amazing. I think that's the most interesting thing that we got out of yesterday. Apparently, Kepa's full name is uh, Revolta is at the end of his name or something, which uh, Revolta, which obviously translates to revolt. I'm. I may. That may have been a joke. I can't. I did not check. That doesn't sound very accurate. That. that does not sound very accurate. Uh, but have you ever seen anything like this? The only thing I can think of in in at least in recent times that has been so visceral, as in, obviously, I'd say there's a lot of arguments between players and managers and coaches at different times. The players not wanted to go off, not wanted to come on. We often see a player throw a strap when they are subbed off. Like yeah. you know, they grab the Alexis Sanchez. In, yeah. And throw it at the ground, or Frank Ribery did it recently yeah. as well. I think it was under Ancelotti. Players going straight down the tunnel and yeah, that injury, you know, exactly. pissed off. Uh, I think it was Sergio Aguero in the Champions League, or not Sergio Aguero, Carlos Tevez in the Champions League. I think at Bayern Munich in the Allianz Arena for Man, for Man City. City when he was asked to come on, he didn't. He said no, and then Man City <laughs> did what probably sealed his fate in the long term at Man City, and obviously sealed Carlos Tevez's fate. That they, you know, he went, oh, you're not going on, and he threw thing, and then they, they had a proper argument on the sideline. Carlos Seves ended up in Argentina for like four months. He did time. playing he golf, did. getting paid an awful lot of money to have time off. Was he still getting paid? Yeah, of course he was. Why was he still getting paid? Because it was a choice. He wasn't doing his he job. He would have played football, just not that night in Germany. 
massive. That's the only one I can think of. Like Keppa posted to Instagram. What was it? Adam Hurry had a very good Adam tweet. Adam Hurry did have a very oh, good tweet. What was it? He, the... In reality, he posted to Instagram about uh, how, oh, you know, there must have been some kind of misunderstanding that you have to understand football that I really was just conveying to the manager that I could still play and I wasn't that injured while the manager just didn't understand at the time that I was injured and the coaching staff, the docs, as he called them in his Instagram post, went over and told him that, you know, that, you know, I'm okay and that's when he calmed down and didn't, you know, do anything wrong about it. Do you know who I think is the true villain in this entire story? Who? Antonio Rudiger. Because he was the only one that got in the way between Sari and punching Kepa in the face when the right before the penalty shootout started. Like, you see the whole team was kind of not sure what to do. David Luiz was kind of standing by Kepa. The cameraman was doing everything he could to get in amongst the Chelsea players well it was in the fiber it was not fiber optic but it was uh, no but they had a cameraman on the ground the as well. who was running around because you can see David Luiz was trying to push him away yeah. and he's the, getting the, a penalty secret the, the cameraman was not <laughs> how will they know I'll hit the pulse <laughs> so I think he was just more trying to get away from Kepa trying yeah. to give Kepa some space but then Antonio Grudiger was the only one who got in the way of Sarri because you can see at one point after because initially Sarri went down the tunnel yeah. and then once he got near the door he turned back around which was a very odd thing. I kind of wish he kept going. Some a cigarette, like. Stephanie <laughs> well, was just having a quick one. It's like, they won't see me now if I'm down the tunnel. <laughs> well, he didn't get down. He didn't get through the door. Yeah, it was like, he just inhaled very quickly. <laughs> inhaled the whole cigarette in 2.1 seconds. He's got something just up his sleeve. Yeah, he's, like, he's got it straight into the, straight into the veins. So the, the tweet was, unlucky today, sad face. Fans are great as always, exclamation mark, happy face with hands. Sorry for my unprecedented act of cup final insubordination, almost comical, perfect pride before the fall hubris. This is Adam Murray's tweet, of course. Yes, quite, quite enjoyable. Uh, he he nails the the exact words that you would want to see in a post like that, which is oftentimes what he is best at. Where was Rob Green in all of this? That's that is what a I good want to question because you just showed me a picture there and I was not sure who the hell that was. It's Rob Green standing <laughs> beside, beside behind Kepa in a penalty. Did you see, did you see what uh, Caballero looked like at one point? He had to actually be calmed down by someone well, he was working in at full kit, Like full kit wanker type of situation. <laughs> like, He's no John Terry. Yeah, it's embarrassing. You know, He had to put on the full full kit and caboodle and warm up and he had his the gloves on. Poor Willie. Free Willy. That's that's the message we have. How many league titles does Willy Caballero have? Two. Two. Is uh, it? At least one. Yeah. Was he? Where was he last season? He was at Chelsea. Was he at Chelsea last yeah, season, was, or was yeah. that the year before? I think he was at Chelsea even the year before that. <laughs> He's been at Chelsea all those years. Amongst it all, congratulations to Manchester City for retaining the Carabao. Yeah, Cup. like they who missed the penalty for Man City? Uh, who, well, Aguero. Well, that was the thing. Aguero flubbed his penalty and kept it still couldn't save. Yeah, it. and Aguero was like, Ugh. he did the whole like grabbing the shirt yeah. inside the collar. That yeah. was a close one. Yeah, <laughs> it was like been hot in here. Yeah, thank, thank God that wasn't Willie Caballero. Yeah, because <laughs> Willie Caballero would have saved. Like he was doing the whole. Kepa had a whole routine where he's jumping up and down on the line and doing faces and moving his Trying arms and Trying to do the Tim Krul as I, I, I kind of take Yes, or Bruce Grobla or Jersey Dudek for older people. Well, I always think of Tim Krul because Tim Krul was subbed on for a penalty shootout by the, the madman that is <laughs> the madman, the master, <laughs> the maestro. The, where would my life be without Louis Van Hal? Louis Van Hal is one of the big red army, isn't it? Or? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That Dutch team was special, we'll call uh, it that. Yeah, but Kepa, you know, didn't really come close to any 
he made ones that I cannot for the life of me think of who it was. was number three. Whoever. <laughs> uh, wasn't Bernardo Silva. Was it Bernardo Silva? I think a while. I'd have been Bernardo. Maybe no, not. Bernardo Silva scored. Did Because he? he took a really short run up. And just blasted it was in. Was it Leroy Sané? It was Leroy Sané. Yeah, Leroy Sané. Because okay, Leroy Sané, yeah, I've got it. Everyone went one way until Leroy Sané. Everyone went to the keeper's left, so that the player's right. Leroy Sané was left-footed, and he went left corner. Yeah. So cause... everyone, it seems that everyone, they were following a pattern that they would go, everyone would go to the their outside to their preferred foot. It seemed to be a strategy. Yeah, that, 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 I remember Chelsea, Chelsea at that point. Chelsea were the team that uh, did that first, I think, yeah. really, or properly strategized to do that way in the 2008 Champions League final. Yeah. Uh, until John Terry slipped. And, <laughs> yeah, John Terry. Yeah, uh, John Terry. But top bins, you know. Top bins was another good like call. In off, the, in off the post. Like. The Raheem Sterling, that's what he said to Pep Guardiola. You know, I wasn't looking, where did you put it? He goes, top bins. Top bins, top bins. What a uh, guy, Raheem Sterling. It, it was funny. The Chelsea well. fans did not enjoy Raheem yeah, Sterling it winning was, that uh, game. It was at Stamford Bridge that the two Chelsea fans were caught on camera racially abusing Raheem yep. Sterling. So. I'm sure he's no love lost there. And he's happy to win it at Wembley because that's, you know, Raheem Sterling's local boy there. So, good day all around for Raheem Sterling despite, you know, Man City not really showing up with the he, form he they had. He was actually uh, the best player when he came on for City. Like, he was the one that created the closest they came Did to scoring. Did he start the match? Did he? I don't remember. Yeah, he started the match. Did he? Yeah. Well, he, he ended up creating, what yeah. almost creating the, the chance that would have won it. Near the very end. <laughs> that almost, the chan- almost created the chance well, that would have. That almost would have won it. He got around like two or three players yeah. and then Kepa just got a hand to the pass and he was, yeah. was going to tap it for Aguero to tap it in. Yeah. Uh, so Raheem... You can see... He but good games, Sterling. To speak very quickly about Man City's performance this match, it very much... And it's a very annoying thing about Pep Guardiola's team is when they actually face a team that's able to shut them down in some way as Chelsea were. Now, not that Chelsea created much. They had... Hazard was kind of the only Three to four outlet. chances, which was... Either David Luiz or most likely Willian playing a long ball on the left hand side over the head of Kyle Walker, who was too far forward throughout the whole match. His position was a bit off, I think, his whole match. And Hazard had free reign to run at someone. Laporte, as we found out, got pretty badly injured, I think. So he was caught a few times in the first set, but maybe that can be excused because he obviously was injured. Uh, but then, you know, I think one occasion. Com- company in, was caught out of One occasion times. in the second half, yeah, I think it was really bad when. Uh, well, maybe. Maybe two because there was a there was a weird situation where Otamendi. Okay, first one. Co- uh, company was caught out. Ball over the top over Walker. Hazard ran onto it. Tried to square it for Kante. Kante blasts over. That was probably the best match. That was the, the best match. Of the match. I would say. The other one was Hazard creating space. Uh, Otamendi coming out really far out out of position into the wrong side of the the box. So he's now he's now pulled out of position. He's pulled himself out of position, and he's also now in Vincent Company's zone. So there's a big mad gap, and also so Zinchenko and Kyle Walker are both trying to cover different areas of the box because of this mess up Otamendi's created. And then Pedro had the chance where he just you know slide side real pass to Pedro, and then he just did not know what to do with the ball. Yeah, he probably should have taken the shot there yeah. instead of squaring it. And then Square to nobody. Yeah, it got caught by... Was it a defender? Oh, one of the it was two. a terrible move anyway. But that, like, saying that, they were the best chances of the match. Man City have a real issue when they're playing against teams that can actually stand up to them. And that's... They don't create anything. Pep Guardiola, it's known in his training sessions, he does not allow players to shoot from distance. It's not allowed. As you were telling me yesterday, only Kevin De Bruyne is allowed to hit the ball further than 10 yards, I think. Yeah, that was something that was brought up a lot last season. I don't yeah. know if that's really the case. It, it could, might be, but you can tell. Like, they do not take shots from distance. They pass yeah, the ball Yeah, it's around. something that infuriates Guardiola. You can see it on the touchline. Yeah. 
But you no, know, he doesn't want them to take shots from distance. Yeah, that's what I mean. It infuriates okay. them when, when they do. When, in this type of case, you have to change it up. And I don't mean change it up as in you throw all of your footballing philosophies away and you just belt the ball along, put it into the mixer, all that type of stuff. Just mix up your play a bit. It's the same as when he switches, like, or put, put both wingers on the left back because he's weak. He does that during matches sometimes where he, he changes the focus of the play. You know, he tells his players what to do or he tells them to drop deep or to pull an extra man in the midfield from the centre-back position. Why can't he just tell them, have a few pot shots here and bring the ball into play, put them in a bit more pressure, Test. make them make mistakes. It's the same way as you put pressure on a player when running after him when he has the ball to try and pressurise him to lose the ball or make a stray pass or to pass it to the, to, to the worst possible person he could pass it to. It's the same type of thing as that. But they didn't do it. And I think that's a failure of Pep Guardiola's system. It's a failure of this Man City side. And it could be their undoing when they face strong teams who are able to stand up to City. Maybe not play them mano-mano on the field. But if you, like Atletico Madrid against this side, might be able to do that. Yeah, because we talked about this last week while watching Champions League. We kind of wondered what, what would Atletico against Pep happen this time yeah. the Chelsea match kind of makes it seem like maybe Atletico could do yeah. Pep again yeah. when you consider like, what not they did that to they, Juve. Yeah, not, not that they'd necessarily score or anything because Chelsea, even with you know players who are routinely scoring 30 goals like Higuain on the field, even with Hazard actually playing quite well, couldn't make the most of like pretty guilt-edged chances in the, in the match. The other thing as well is that Fernandinho uh, limped off. Uh, yeah, he looked very injured, time, but he looked, he was carrying some the whole match. He got treatment in the second half as well for something uh, and he kept playing on. Guardiola after the match confirmed that he will be out for at least a few weeks, which yeah. is a big blow to City because they don't really have anyone in that position. Yeah, and like like Fabian Delph is there, but he's not <laughs> Fernandinho. Fabian Delph. So exactly, that's, that's well, the reaction. Well, came on during the match and although he didn't come on for, he came on for David Silva. Like, I noticed that David Silva, for the great player that he has been for Manchester City over the last 10 years or so, he does slow the game down a tremendous amount and doesn't allow kind of a runner from midfield to get on the ball and burst through. Not that City are really dependent on that. And maybe him being in a more withdrawn role alongside maybe... Because they don't have a like-for-like replacement in the team. But if they play David Silva alongside someone who runs a lot and can tackle maybe Fabian Delph, maybe Gundogan, maybe someone like that they could maybe have an alternative method of playing in defensive midfield but you have to remember as well that he missed a portion of the season that ended up being or coinciding with City's worst form this yeah. season when they lost to Palace and against Newcastle or not Newcastle Leicester City yeah no back, it's uh, true like and Christmas you could definitely if he played those games maybe they wouldn't have resulted in defeat yeah, definitely. You could you could definitely make that. Maybe argument, he would so. have marked Andros Townsend for that long range wonder goal he scored. <laughs> Maybe the goal of the season, probably. Yeah, easily forgotten at this yeah. point by by me anyway. But then the other big match on Sunday was the Liverpool Manchester United match, a match that is always underwhelming. When, yeah, when, it's was, been a the, long when time. was the last time Man United and Liverpool played at a classic? You're going back to the nineties. Yeah, even that three all draw. That three. You ever watched that three all? I remember watching that three all draw. Like. It was like that was at filled, wasn't it? filled, yeah, filled with errors all over the place. Nigel Clough scoring, it's like so many random things happen in that match that would not occur again. And if that is both the nineties to an extent. Nice yeah, that they were. It was, anyway. was what's the word? Buccaneering. They were by you know the shirt in their sleeve, heart in their sleeve type of football. Really going for it and forgetting all defensive discipline. Razor Ruddock, you know. That was at Anfield, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. 
where like even if you were to go back to the last great game at Old Trafford like there's been oh, incidents I where don't know. Like, when, when does that been you could say the last I think the last good one was 2008 yeah Liverpool was fans it, certainly would say when the were, 4-1 no, was that it? It was two thousand nine when they were going for the title. They yeah, when they're going for the title and because like, that was a really hard fought match. It was a really both teams playing their best and Liverpool coming out better because they were better. Was Vidic sent off in that match? I think he. I remember he got he, done in that match. He's got four red cards against them. Yeah, uh, he's he definitely got done. He sent off on uh, Sky Sports yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Careful. Uh, he yeah, but he did get done in that match a couple of times by Torres. I yeah, just Torres breaking away from him. Fabio Aurelio scored a goal. It was yeah. a free kick. It was very random. But it was like a, an excellent Liverpool performance. Oh, one was, of their best under Rafa. And it was not It was not like the goal The goal line score shows. It was very much a defensive backs-to-the-wall match and playing on the counter, but they really just dominated that Manchester United team who did go on and win the league. Yeah. As well as, you know, competing in Europe at the, at the, during the final Champions League. Yeah, they got to the Champions League final that year as well. Yeah. So, you know, it shows you the quality that was that in that match that day. I think Ronaldo was still there. Yeah, Ronaldo was still there. Ronaldo so, played. And, like, that's the that's the weird thing about this rivalry. They've won 38 league titles over the course of the last 120 odd years, 130 years, but only you can count on your on one hand the amount of times they've both gone for the title the same season like that would be the last time they did it and probably the only time in the Premier League that they did it I yeah the, you can make Roy Evans in 96 when it was a kind of a, and in 94 was it that, was that Blackburn won in 94 no Blackburn won in 95 yeah 95 and 96 no 94 and 96 Blackburn won in 94 sure no because it was 92 93 was the first season 92 93 93 94 yeah 94 95 yeah 94 95 is when Blackburn won it okay 94 95 and then 95 96 96 is when United beat Newcastle I love it a few days have to go to Middlesbrough and get something so that's that those two seasons under Roy Evans Liverpool had the Spice Boys. They had all that, you know, young, exciting players. Steve McManaman, Robbie Fowler, Stan Collymore, uh, Jamie Redknapp, David James, uh, Phil Babb. Yeah, the glorious Phil Babb. The glorious Phil Babb. You know, Patrick Berger signed after that. Uh, They were very exciting, Liverpool side. And they kind of, they kept up until a while, but then they just became absolute. Crap. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a close. I think they race. finished third. Yeah, it wasn't to the extent where oh eight oh nine was a proper time. Yeah, other than that, this year. Yeah, generally, and even in the in the heyday of Liverpool in the seventies and eighties, there was never a contest between Man United and Liverpool. Which is why it's such a weird rivalry right? because both sets of fans, both clubs, do hate each yeah. other, and like obviously they have their reasons. But, it but just I don't it... understand why they hate each other. That's the thing beyond me that it's to do with tribal and to do with the cities and stuff like that. To, to an extent as well, like especially for people who live in the area as well. Yeah. The fact that it goes back to before football even with the whole portrait going on there when yeah but sure. like Man City and Liverpool fans don't hate each other Everton and Man United fans don't hate each other that much probably no I would say it is the most vicious rivalry between <laughs> the, the big Premier League clubs that you think of at the moment Crystal Palace and Brighton the big Premier League clubs <laughs> nothing uh, beats Crystal Palace and, and we Brighton. don't have Millwall in the Premier League just yet yeah so. Millwall has hit everybody everyone <laughs> it's like violence Violent squall between the, the clubs that uh, win titles, we'll say. Yeah. Like Arsenal and Tottenham as well. They, yeah, but, but that's not. That's it's never not been as, a, yo, a it's, bitter rivalry. Well, it's bitter, but it's not violent. Yeah. It's not aggressive. In, and like, that's only really in the last 25 years, I feel like, that that's really elevated itself. 
Arsenal Spurs. Yeah, no, no, it's going back. It goes like, back obviously. It goes back to nineteen six or nineteen oh six. But now it goes to like now it's at the level where it's more than just a, a London derby. Now it is. like ah, well, a, it's a big always, they're next game. to each other. Like yeah, they're in a couple of miles, and that happens. You always get rivalry between sides. And then Chris Pass and. Yeah, and nowhere near each other. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> they just take, well, there's Brighton, complicated Brighton, reasons there. You know, going it's back part to the of the 70s. commuter belt now. Yeah, I'm not quite sure of the complexities of that one. But then the actual match itself. Manchester United ended up with three injuries in the first 40 minutes, which is bizarre. Four, really, if you can. Four Maddox uh, injured. Well, yes, Maddox Mar- injured Marcus before Rashford. the match and Marcus Rashford himself. Five? Is that five? So that's five, yeah. yeah. Manish- like Marcus Rashford was limping for most of that match. Uh, I've heard that Marcus Rashford is actually should be fine. Yeah, it might be just been a dead week. leg or something. Yeah, Pain. Jordan Henderson kind of stood in his ankle. Yeah. So uh, and then it was Juan Mata and Herrera and Jesse Lingard who was a bit of a risk to bring on in the first place. Yeah. But at the same time, Man United. Who were they playing this week? Crystal Palace. Yeah, Crystal Palace away. Crystal Palace side that don't score much at home, even though they scored four mid on Saturday. Yeah. Away from home. But Crystal Palace, not to go too much into a preview for them, but I think they're going to. We're very soon going to see. Summer holidays, Crystal Palace. Yeah, where they're the, going the to Tony cruise out. Classic. They're going to cruise out the rest of the season. They'll get points. They'll pick up points here and there. They'll do enough. They'll beat Cardiff here. They'll beat Huddersfield yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. And then they'll finish the end of the season comfortably in mid table. Everyone happy, Roy Hodgson, and another season to begin. I'm interested to see. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll leave that for another episode. On <laughs> who <laughs> that will start a whole other conversation. But the Liverpool might not match ended up just being weird because it. it Obviously, Liverpool now go top of the table. Obviously, yep. that's a huge thing Clear. for them. No, and it's they, in if, their hands. Obviously, yep, if they win every game between now or better new or equal, better or equal Man City's record. They just have to equal. Yeah, they, they will win. Well, they, if they better, if they'll win the league as well. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's superfluous. <laughs> yes, but if that's all they have to do between now and the end of the season, they have that point clearance. Like it was seven points at one stage, it went down to four points at another stage. It had the potential to go back up to three points this time. It didn't. It doesn't really make a difference because Man City's goal difference is so far superior that it would only take one match to slip up anyway and City would overtake Liverpool. So it is still a one-match slip-up type of situation. But it goes back from a one-match slip-up. They could have afforded a draw in another match. Now they they have to keep winning. Yeah, but I think that was always going to be the way. And look at it this way. I honestly believe that both sides, both Man City and Liverpool, the more I watch them, and the more I see them in, in multiple competitions, they are not... We talked about this before, though. And lucky Liverpool, they always seem to enter a title race when there's clearly a better side in the league. But, like, Man City are very good. They're not legendary, saddest by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. Yeah, especially now that it seems like they will go on all four fronts for yeah. titles. Like, they that, that really wears the squad thin, and we're seeing that with the injuries they yeah. got. Yeah, because uh, a second second player went off injured for Man City as well. Was it? Uh, was that Otamendi that went off injured? If, well, that would be a good thing. If yeah, went to you could argue that, but someone someone else. Went it was Otamendi. It was. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It's now. fine. I think it was a defender, but it was Laporte. Was, uh, yeah, yeah Laporte is out for the next one. So they will have to play yeah. Otamendi, which yeah. is a, a big issue for them. Maybe yes. a bigger issue. Than well, John Stones. Where is he? Yeah, that's a good question. Where was he? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Zinchenko's getting matches now. He can cover in that area. Danilo was playing centre midfield for some bizarre reason. <laughs> Why not? If you got him, might as well stick him in there somewhere. Yeah, you know, he's played against Newport and Chelsea in centre midfield. You know, all the big teams. <laughs> two, very, yeah, two very similar sides. Yes. Uh, but, but the thing is... Can we go though, back to Man United and Liverpool? Go on. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, we, like obviously... Uh, 
you know, Liverpool, top of the tails in their hands, everything about that. But they've gone to Old Trafford aside where they, they've won twice in the last 10 years. Yeah. Both times they were going for the title. Like, they, it almost feels like they only win there when they go for the title these yeah. days. And they won... Almost four, got that hat-trick of penalties for Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, that, that that time with Brendan Rodgers, they won 3-0. He missed a penalty in that match. He still scored two other penalties. I think he hit the post, oh, like, uh, yeah. penalties. And then, obviously, the 4-1 under Rafa. Uh, but it feels like it is a missed opportunity with all the injuries that Manchester United had. Just the, the fact that, like, they're, they're clearly in transition. There clearly isn't really much of a plan for the rest of the season mm-hmm. other than, let's just do a good job for Ollie, you know. Like, let's just, yeah. you know, Ollie's at the wheel, da-da-da-da-da, or whatever. Like, it's a, it's clearly a, a week in Manchester United side over the course of the last five years. They've been weak. And now is a really good time, like, Liverpool to assert their dominance. They beat them in Anfield. They got Jose Mourinho sacked. <laughs> Remember when Shirley Shakiri got Jose Mourinho sacked? <laughs> They'll have a statue outside Old Trafford for him soon, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it is it is a missed opportunity for Liverpool. Obviously, I feel like we won't really know the ramifications until they play Watford and they play they have Everton. Until they play Watford. Until they play That is the crucial match. Well they've got Watford uh, away next to you know Watford at home, they've got Everton away yeah. and then they've got Burnley they at home. They they always beat Everton at home, they don't always beat them away. Yeah. They do drop points there, they drew nil nil there last year and won yeah. one years before. So I could see them like if they drop points there then it really feels like the Man United draw has greater consequence but if they just beat Watford or they beat Everton or they beat Burnley those, if they pick up nine points there then you can kind of forget about this Manchester United draw mm-hmm. like, we're not going to look back at the end of the season and go my, or Liverpool won the title at Old Trafford but we might just look at it depending on how results go <laughs> we might look at it that's how we lost the title yeah the yeah. momentum well it was slipped. people saying who was saying it Jonathan, was it Jonathan Wilson that said last week that uh, Sunday would be a very good day for Liverpool because he believes that he said that or it would it be a very a, good day for Man City because they win two trophies on Sunday. Yeah, that was they'd win his, the league and they'd win the 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 Carabao Cup. Yeah, I think Jonathan Wilson though was expecting Manchester United to win on Sunday. Yeah, but they didn't. But I'll say to you what I said yesterday in, in a roundabout way. Uh, first of all, Liverpool lost last season at Old Trafford. They True. drew this season. That's progress. It's just the fact that Manchester United were so. If my, if, yeah, but Man United, my, under, if, Man United. If, like it's another thing I said to you yesterday is James Corbett I think it was on, on Twitter said he was on a flight got off the flight saw all these tweets about how Liverpool had, had thrown it all away this is a terrible worst performance of the season blah 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 and he went to see the scoreline he expected oh, it was this 6-0 to Manchester United's a la Chelsea Man City and he saw it was nil all away at Old Trafford when Man United are up for that match like like I think it no disrespect to Manchester them, United, yeah. but yeah, Solskjaer b- bigged it up beforehand. This is the biggest match of the season. This is our cup final. They're not going to get to make it to an FA Cup final, in fairness. But they're not going to get to any other final, you would imagine, this season. Well, yeah, probably not. Yeah, the only other one's the Champions League. They're not going to win anything else, really. Uh, so, the, it, it was a big match, big up for it. Like, uh, if you go back Klopp to- made some funny... Arguments after the match saying, you he know, definitely did, the, yeah. the injuries to Man United really screwed us up, their whole rhythm, the whole. But, you know, honestly. I get what he's trying to say, but that he can worded happen. that terribly. Yeah, yeah, but that can, you know, legitimately that can happen when when the your game plan gets thrown. Like sometimes game plans get thrown out of the win- window because you get a player sent off or because your own player gets injured or because you can see the goal. In Liverpool's case, it was because Manchester United kept getting injuries that so he couldn't. How are they actually playing now? And they got everyone behind the ball and they continue playing their long balls. Towards a poor, poor, 
Marcus Rashford with his little limpy legs up front. I have to say though, Marcus Rashford on one leg was still phenomenal. No, and his his movement scares defenders. I saw it multiple times. He moved in. He did James away. Milner multiple times. But it's because it was almost because he had so much. It's funny because it was a creation of the of the injuries that suddenly uh, Rashford had so much space up front. I.e., there was no one else coming in his own set. The Liverpool players were like, "Well, there's no one else to mark. Will I move on Rashford and mark him?" But then Man United would move on mass forward, so it wouldn't be as normal Man United performance would be, as I just said, ping the ball long, have the players Lingard, Rashford at all, run after it and try and get some Martial, try and get something out of it. But in this case, he, they couldn't ping it that long. So it was like they'd ping it a bit and then move the whole midfield forward so there was a group of them. And that wasn't clearly not what Liverpool had prepared for. They'd prepared for those long ball speed races. And it changed. And when you change something so dramatically as that, it really did screw up Liverpool's game plan. But It I also think, screwed up Man United's game plan. Yeah, but as the game went on, I, I acknowledge Man United had some chances in the match, but Liverpool were kind of on... You know, they, they were the dominant side, and it was again down to their lacklustre finishing. And it is, like you said, with other teams like Man City, going for multiple trophies like Liverpool have been doing as well. In their case, it's only two they're going for but it's still they two big trophies yeah and you could argue that they've had worse injuries this season and are a thinner squad anyway. and are fighting with a thinner squad with less experience and then if you're looking at those cases you're like well they just played Bayern Munich during the week which is no offence to Schalke it's a harder game than Schalke and then they're going to play a team who are expecting their biggest game of the season away from home which acknowledged by Gary Neville himself that was the best atmosphere he's heard at Old Trafford oh, definitely, in yeah. five to six years at least that long at least since Alex Ferguson, since Ferguson retired yeah. so you're battling against those things and like Man United are they were in fourth they're now dropped down to fifth again following the draw but you know this is a team that's lost one match in how many 13 14 matches since Liverpool last beat them yeah. uh, in the league anyway yeah so it's not a, It's not necessarily... I'm not... like. I don't want to say Man United are a great team. I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination. But they're not this... Like, they're not the way they were under Mourinho. They are a decent enough side. Yeah, the two the two things I want to kind of point out as well is like... Uh, the first thing is just Lukaku. That was at right wing. That was probably his best performance under Solskjaer that I can remember. Or maybe even this season. But he he's played that well. a couple of times under Solskjaer. He played that at Arsenal in the FA Cup. And he yeah, set and he up played very well in that match yeah. as well. It, it seems like it is oddly enough becoming his best position. He did, in it, this he did it for Belgium as well, if I remember, in the World Cup. Yeah, he was being more all over the, yeah, the wing. But he was against... Brazil. Was Brazil. No, but Japan. Yeah, like and Japan was very he, good. His off-the-ball running was very yeah. good there. And like he isn't a doubt, he's still a young player. Like it's forgotten that he is not that old. He's like twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, and he's still like he started off. He it's because of his size and because you expect him to be this powerful DGA Drogba, and that's what he modelled. He said it was his hero growing up that he was a Chelsea fan. DGA Drogba was his hero. He wanted to play for Chelsea. That's why he went to Chelsea. He wanted to be like him, and that's you. You know, you can see there is a there is a comparison made in physiques, but it's not necessarily his full game. He has more to his strings to his bow. And like if I always remember when people talk to me about Lukaku and what he is and isn't capable of, the goal he scored in the FA Cup against Chelsea when at Everton, when he shalomed through a bunch of Chelsea players who were I think league champions at the time. Yeah. And banged a goal into the back of the net, and you're like, well, he seems to be able to do stuff as well as you know. He's clearly a good player. Yeah, he's not a bad player, and as you said to me many times, he's the best deliverer of the ball. That yeah, he he, he almost uh, he delivered a great cross that Smalling almost got on the yeah. end of. Oh, Chris Smalling. Yeah. What on earth is he doing? I don't know. His, his entire existence confuses me. To be that honest. haircut. 
it's something else, isn't yeah. it? The, I don't know the, where he's going for. The second point I was going to make is that, yeah, and if you were to say to Klopp even five weeks ago, let alone at the start of the season, okay, would you take a nil-nil draw at Old Trafford? You'd probably bite your hand off for it because, you know, you value, yeah, like, you value a point at Old Trafford. It's just the fact... Klopp's record as well against Manchester United. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah. The, the win, Especially in the league. The win over uh, Mourinho to get him sacked was his only victory over Mourinho in the league, yeah. or on, with Man United, I should yeah. say. So, yeah, obviously. Uh, but it's just the, the whole wider context of the match itself that Manchester United were so weak that they were coming off the back of uh, a decent performance at Chelsea, but they've still... Ever since the PSG match kind of took their wind out of the sails a little bit, yeah. they they had injuries going into the match even before yeah. Sunday. They really started to feel that midweek, like, yeah, pinch because like they were missing Martial Lingard, then Matic all of a sudden is injured, then all of a sudden Mata and Herrera yeah. is injured and Rashford is but injured. It did assist. I I honestly do believe that having the complete wild card selection that was foisted upon Solskjaer and having a lot of other circumstances go in his fashion in an unexpected way as well as these misfortunes kind of helped them with the result the other thing as well is like Scott McTominay I thought was a pretty decent stand-in for Nemanja Manish considering uh, like a lot of people kind of think he's a bit of a joke because of what happened with Mourinho well, Mourinho kind of calling him out as oh he's the manager's player of the season it's like he played four times yeah. but he did a decent job for that one match but like, he's I done well in big Scott McTominay before. against Jordan Henderson yeah. I don't think there's a massive gulf between those two players, although, albeit like Jordan Henson is a huge amount more experience exactly, than Tom yeah. at this point. But given like their actual technical ability, I don't think there there's a huge like passing range and speed in actually getting across the pitch. I think Stop McTominay is just as effective as Jordan Henderson and you by putting in McComney you actually do highlight that. Well actually this Liverpool infield at its at its core, you know, when when you're not playing like obviously they they played a tough match four days previously where a lot of their players were kind of some of their players were played out of position, for instance, you know Fabinho and the like. But you know they did a lot of running against Bayern Munich. It was a tough match. It was a high pressure match, and you could see that maybe the the legs were a bit weary at the end of. I remember there's a chance in the second half where, I think it was Andy Robertson into the box running onto it and he just overran it, ran it slightly went out of play just couldn't get the cross away and it's like is that a bit of tiredness from someone who's like that's a left back and he's inside the box playing where a centre forward should be and it's like that is the way Liverpool play but as a result of that are you burning your players out probably can the fixture this be kinder to them at this stage of the season probably well I think going into a going into Tyler run they do have a softer Fixture list then Manchester City. Yeah, I, I, but like, I, I, we should I, do that some week. Manchester United following. Yeah, we will go through the the last run into the end of the season. Last ten games. Yeah. something we'll look at. But Manchester United away for Liverpool after playing Bayern Munich, who seemed to be somewhat one. They were much well more rest more well rested because they didn't have to play in January, which is quite a big deal. When how many games did Liverpool play in January? Like 10, 12? Well, I don't think it was that many. It was, uh, and Liverpool did have ten days off before they played true, Bayern Munich true, as well. True, they went off to a nice little trip in Marbella. Yeah, I believe. Well, they seemed to be prepared for that match, and they were very fortunate not to win it. Like, see, the, the the annoying thing though for Liverpool is the, the contrast between how they played against Bayern, where I thought they were very good and just finishing let them down a little, and Bayern were much better than I think we expected yeah. because a lot of us had kind of written them off exactly, because they've yeah. been so poor. Yeah. And lead the season, but then contrast it with how they played against Manchester United, and they got. But it's tough they, to they, do they, that. They one shot on Terry, like it was just the fact yeah. they were so poor. Like Mo Salah had to be subbed off. 
because yeah. he was so poor. Like Luke Shaw, who you don't rate as particularly no, and he looks absolutely yeah. crocs by the end of the match. But he was pretty comfortable against Mo yeah. Salah for the majority. No, of but the that's match. is that just tiredness? There was, there was that... even a moment when Juan Mata, right before Juan Mata came on, he's on on one knee, yeah. managed to track back from a counter attack in a corner and tackle Mo Salah on the edge of the yeah. box. Like that really summed up Mo Salah's yeah. evening or afternoon. Yeah, like Mo Salah did play well against Bayern though. He did. Yeah, he, he was unlucky. You know, there was a couple score. of opportunities where, which were sabotaged by his own players. If I remember during that match, but yeah, I, I I grant what you're saying that Liverpool did not perform well. I'm not saying they did perform well, but I I, I want to like emphasize that like this is against Manchester United. They weren't going to go in and win. Like they were favourites. You pro- if you had to pick one team, you probably would have picked them beforehand to win the match because you know form, the way the season's gone, everything else, the players they have. But sometimes that doesn't happen. But as I said to you a few minutes ago, last season they lost at Old Trafford. This year they won. They're up a point in the way I would see it. Yeah, that's just fair enough. And uh, we'll close out the news now. Uh, Europa League draw happened on Friday. Is it even worth <laughs> talking about? No. <laughs> Is your head in the sand? Can you, Are you flexible enough to get your head in the sand? My suspicion would be no. Midweek in the Champions League saw Schalke awarded two penalties against Manchester City. Both of these incidents were inspected by VAR and the first one proved to be quite controversial. Quite controversial? Did I say that correctly? Yes. Okay, it sounded weird in my head. The ball striking Nicholas Otamendi on the on the arm, but should it have been a penalty? What even is a handball these the days? The FIFA rulebook laws of the game, 14-15 as I'm reading it from this at the moment. Handling the ball involves the deliberate act of a player making contact with the ball with his hand or arm. The referee must take the following into consideration. The movement of the hand towards the ball, not the ball towards the hand. The distance in the opponent and the ball, unexpected ball. The position of the hand does not necessarily mean that there is an infringement. Touching the ball with an object held in the hand counts as an infringement. Hitting the ball with a thrown object counts as an infringement. And it should be penalised with a maximum of a yellow card or if it's stopping deliberate goal-scoring opportunity, a red card. In this case, like, there's been a lot of furore about this and about VAR. About not, people are, it's funny because people aren't criticising... People are criticising VAR, but they're not actually criticising VAR. They're using... It's as if they're trying to find ways to rebel against VAR. Like, I know people are, oh, the flow of the game and stuff like that. Like, obviously, it needs to be... This is teething problems, I think. It needs to be better implemented in terms of, in the stadium, what's going on, what decision is the referee making. Put the thing on the big screen. Because it's stupid having them run over to the corner. If that doesn't work... I know they say, oh, it can incite a riot. It doesn't incite a riot when they do it in American football. It doesn't incite a riot when they do it in basketball. It doesn't incite a riot when they do it in rugby. Well, there is a difference between, I think, American fans and sports fans and European sports fans. But that, that's not the well, point I'm going to make here. The point I'm going cricket, to make is... In tennis? Yeah, cricket fans. In tennis. Like, but in these situations, it actually... Have you ever seen something. the Wimbledon ground? <laughs> that's not where... But that's it's the obvious. last place the riot is going to start. Like, it's not like... Generally speaking, they're concerned about riots starting when you show them, like, a player getting violent with another player or something like that. When it's a, when a ball crosses over a line or if it's a, an off, offside rule that is pretty, you know, whatever it is, or if it's a situation where there's a handball, it's clear. It's a, it'll, it'll eventually become to the stage where it's as clear as the watch now that goes off and referees' uh, arms when a ball crosses the line or not, and that's just accepted by players. It will eventually become that, and it will become that to everyone. But for, in in this case, there there people, to get back to the actual point, people are criticising the handball rule, not VAR. They think they're criticising VAR, but they're criticising the handball rule. Whether they're doing that intentionally or not is up to the person themselves. But 
I, I don't think the handball is rule is that ambiguous. Like people say, no, this is really highlighting the problems with the handball rule. I don't think there are many problems with the handball rule. Well, I just want to go back one second yeah. because obviously the you talk about teething problems. There was an issue with VAR itself yeah. in that one incident yeah. that caused the incident to take about five, six minutes to be... Yeah. Uh, decided which is an issue that hopefully they will sort out yeah but that's one fixed. Yeah, that's just in how once, many matches yeah, exactly this like that have been in VAR I, I just wanted so to bring that up for uh, transparency sakes but the actual handball rule I do have an issue with because a lot of times when a decision is actually made and you watch it back a lot of it is very unclear is like no. is that actually handball is it not handball like I, I only just watched Nicholas Olamendi thing for the first time there before we recorded and it's when you read out the, the rules like he was given a yellow card for it, so the referee didn't think it was a deliberate uh, obstruction of a goal-scoring opportunity. But then he moves his arm away from the ball, like this. Obviously, the viewer can't, or the yeah, the, the listener can't see my arm moving. Yes. Like this. But if if you just look at it, if you look up the clip of the goal, you'd be able to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like he moves his arm away like that. That's moving the ball away. That is the opposite of a deliberate handball. So it shouldn't have been given. Yeah, but it's more... Either he should have been sent off or it shouldn't have been a uh, handball. And then when it no. goes in such a very uh, yeah. contrasting way like that, then the handball rule needs to be looked at. Yeah, true. But maybe the the reason it wasn't given as a red card is the double uh, penalty. You but know, if it's denial of a goal, yeah, goal scoring opportunity... Maybe, maybe but may, you know, maybe that that's... There's other factors that the referee that, can take that's into That's why it. the but rule that's, needs to be looked at, though. I'm, um, You see, that's why... I don't think the rule needs to be looked at. I think it's just implementation of... It's not the implementation of it. It's not the rule itself. It's the application of the rule. has to be clear. If a referee gives a penalty, make it clear to why they have to be... made. Like, if they were watching NBA or NFL or hockey or rugby, when a decision like that happens, generally speaking, they say, oh, well, they, they give a, an immediate... Even if they're looking at it on the big screen or they're looking at it on the monitor, they make... They say something happened that the ball hit the he did this I saw his hand move away you you once say you say oh he moved his hand away as the ball struck him some could say that he knew that was going to happen and he was just reacting to try and pull his hand away so it didn't look like it was going to hit his hand see that's, like you can that's view the things. use of the word deliberate as well you, you no, can, but that's you what never the ref- know what a player is thinking so you can never define true but on the field is. on the field between the replay and between what the referee saw in, norm, in real time on the pitch he can make a judgement that Okay, I know this. I know what this player like. They it is completely subjective, and it isn't objective in any way. And it could be completely wrong, which is still what our refereeing is. It it can be completely wrong until the robots take over. That is where we are with that. The referee made a judgment in that case, and in other cases like it, that okay, I know this player. I know what he was doing. I saw what he was doing in this situation. I've watched the replay. That's a penalty. And whatever, why he didn't give a red card, or maybe he didn't think the ball was actually going to the net, but he was your man was looking to gain an advantage by using his hand, which is basically what the rule states. That that is why the penalty was given. If you notice, like Ottomendi, you didn't see Ottomendi come out afterwards complaining about the decision. Well, there's not much like who's no, but like interview Nicholas Ottomendi, like he, he, he I'm him? sure he was asked the question, and they would have been eager to say it and. I don't know, maybe Pep's not that type of manager. Well, Pep came but, out after no, the match and uh, like, approved of VAR, VAR basically. Yeah. So maybe like we don't... So that's the problem. There's no communication. The communication's very poor. Maybe the referee made it very clear why he gave the penalty and maybe that was accepted by the players on the field and by the managers and everyone else involved that he believed there was an intent in it and maybe Ottomendi held his hands up, not pun not intended, and said, yeah, fair enough. You know, maybe I wasn't... 
you know, he's probably not thinking of giving away a penalty, but anything, you know, in that type of situation, it hit his hand. Generally speaking, if the ball hits your hand and you gain some advantage from it, deliberate or not, if you gain advantage from a handball, like you have to. D- but the rule says deliberate. It doesn't say whether the team gains an advantage or not. It does say whether to 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 aim to give an advantage. But Handing it, the ball is a deliberate. deliberate act of a player. Yeah, but deliberate. Like there's deliberate. no way I can watch that the replay of that and say that Nicholas Otamendi has moved his arm deliberately like that, unless he is the world's greatest reflexes. Because there's no way he can judge the ball is going to move that way. Well, true, true, but deliberate has different you can definitions that's why the rule needs to be looked at yeah because deli- deliberate deliberate doesn't deliberate mean doesn't necessarily mean that you like you're saying oh he, he's made a conscious decision which is different it doesn't say conscious it says deliberate he's made a conscious decision to move his arm that's not the same as deliberate deliberate means that it struck him and have they gained a deliberate advantage from it which is different but it's, 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 a, it's a more literal sense not to confuse matters altogether but deliberate is a more literal version but the of fact cons- that we are even having this like misunderstanding and this problem yeah just defines why this it's just reading really French we should just like get the French I, I don't know any French so I'm no use to you there uh, get it in Spanish uh, probably still go away go but away. the like the fact that we're even having this debate at all like I, I find debates about referee decisions very tedious but this is just but it is this, tedious this is a whole other thing of, like this rule just actually needs to be looked at like you think about handballs over the years like the handball rule was not brought in to, so that Nicolas Otamendi could give away a penalty against Schalke in that manner the handball rule was brought in so that something like a Diego Maradona hand of God incident or Thierry Henry against Ireland incident or Luis Suarez against Ghana incident can be defined as a handball they are what a handball is supposed to be ruled as or was it Johnny Evans back in the day who against Chelsea took a weird turn and controlled the ball with his hand and made it look like it was his foot like mm. that's a handball that not some cross coming in and it accidentally deflects against the arm like it almost needs to get back to that point where it was originally where the arm needs to just unless it's a proper players caught the ball kind of scenario mm. it nothing is a handball like if it struck if it strikes the the hand player the player's hand whatever it's just a body part we need to ignore that almost at this point because i remember there's a lot of talk 4 or 5 years ago about natural position as well and like to find a natural position. Yeah, natural position is a funny one. If, it, if someone's arm is going through their face backwards from their shoulder, that's not a natural position. But if your arm is in any position in a 360 rotation... Yeah, is this or a not natural 360, position? What's that? 360 degrees, in yeah, that would be... Well, yeah, a full rotation of your arm. That is a natural position. Like, so your ball, your hand could be anywhere. Like, when people say natural position, they mean, like, in a position not fitting of a footballer. That's what they're going for. Like if you if you have your hands above your head, like you're taking a throw in and catch the ball with it in the penalty box, that is not what you're meant to do as a person in playing football. Like I was just looking through it there and you we said this before the show that FIFA are reviewing supposedly whether this will happen, whether this is just a, a talking point that's been issued to keep people quiet over the after there was after last week and the kind of hysterics that went around with fire that they're going to look at the rule and decide kind of put a more concrete schema around what is deliberate and not deliberate or what is considered deliberate or not deliberate handball at in other words change your warning to, your wording to be more like is it a conscious or non-conscious handball i i think i i don't necessarily agree with fifa doing this because i think it's you know 
why complicated more with more stringent rules around it you're just gonna they do this like it's function it's an up it's a process rule it's it's not a rule that's in keeping with the spirit of the game as in a rule change with this it's like oh so a player can't be on the field at the same time as the player he's replacing with a substitute can be on the field and if you do that the substitution has to be retaken again you know if a player steps onto the field before the other one comes off they have to go back and do it again that's stupidity that's a process rule and that exists in the rules in the laws of the game and I'm worried that they'll do some they'll concoct some kind of stupid thing around handball that'll be similar to that stupid rule and we'll have John Aldrich screaming at some Mexican official on the side of the field <laughs> but the like the, this and VAR helps highlight this but this helps uh, talk. we can talk about the wider issue with refereeing in football is that you kind of need to remove subjective decisions from referees yeah, because they're robots no, we can't have robots. Mike Dean. Well, maybe right. We can make Mike everyone Dean Mike Dean. We can create a, a, a machine learning algorithm that'll learn from all of Mike Dean's data points of his refereeing decisions over the last 20 years and make the perfect Mike Dean bot. See, I think Mike Dean should just head uh, a school of refereeing teachers. He should just be a head. He <laughs> just he just be a, shiny head. Like, you know, Futurama. Yeah. That's, that's the future of refereeing. I made reference to his head. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the, the, like they need to remove subjectivity because like it just cre- creates so many inconsistencies because yeah. like we all kind of know the referees now in the Premier League, but if like what's a handball to John Moss might be a ham- different handball. Yeah, to Michael we've Oliver. seen we've seen situations and, like, like that. That's just so infuriating. It as is a, as an even a neutral in most matches. Yeah. like there should be a rule. Like it's it's the same how how oh they're told that they're meant to penalize pushing and shoving in penalty boxes and then. They do for a few weeks and they stop again. Or they're meant to be giving booking, direct bookings, yellow and red cards for snooker fouling. And then sometimes they don't. And they never give bookings in the first few minutes of a match. Never, yeah. Yeah, it never very it. seldom happens. Like, it's something that's completely outrageous. Yeah, like, well, it was a Roy Keane back in the day. It's yeah, Vinnie Jones got the fastest yeah, one, Yeah, Vinnie Jones, of course. Right from the kickoff, he went sliding in for <laughs> Wimbledon back in the day. I think it was Wimbledon, maybe it was Chelsea. I, know, I think it was Wimbledon. But anyway, I'm worried they're going to change the rules and they're going to make it silly. I think if they're going to change the rules, just make all handballs, no matter what happens, a free kick, a penalty. No, but they can't do that because then what happens... Because, say, we're we're sitting together pretty close, about not even three feet distance. What if two players are standing like that and say you're the one with the ball and I've got my two hands down. You ship the ball into their hands. That's not a handball. That in no way is that a fair. That's a fair way it's to, not, to it's gain fair. a penalty. It's fair because it's everyone has the same rules applied. No, no matter that, what, that just evolves the game into let's. Well, try I think game, I'm worried that then you're you're looking at oh he didn't mean to handle the ball, oh I didn't mean to do that. See, I, did, I like, think th- when you're bringing into like emotions and intent into it, with, with simple laws because there is there is a few rules in football and they're like unequivocal unequivocal that. You can't handle the ball unless you're the goalkeeper in the box. That's a rule, accepted rule for well over 100 years now. You have to put score to win a match, you have to score more goals on the opposition side, unless it's no way goal, which we've had discussions about well before. And that's it. No, but I think if there there is that, no those, other those rules, kind of hand balls, the, the hand that should no the hand should no longer be considered a hand. It should just be considered a body part, like the leg. And well, the then knee. we just strap people's hands to themselves or something. But then you know balance and stuff like that. Like yeah, just use put their them hands across like that or something. We'll uh, figure it a out. A hand should only be considered for. Uh, like I said this a few minutes ago, like a hand should only be considered a hand uh, as opposed to a different part of the body when it is very clearly like a Luis Suarez against Ghana kind of incident or a yeah, Thierry but, Henry but against then, Ireland but then or a hand you, of God. Yeah, but then you have Abbe Xavier, uh, Abel Xavier in Euro 2000 semi-final, Portugal against France. 
And he didn't, I don't think he really meant to do it, but he still did it. It was an open goal. He blocked his shot on the line an extra time. And it was saved. It like He saved an open goal with his hand. I don't think he meant to block it with his hand, really. But he did it. Yeah, but if it, if it and that was given a, a red card and penalty, and and if it Portugal went mental. Goal, that's what I mean. Like Luis Suarez, like obviously Luis Suarez was definitely deliberate yeah. in the most Luis Suarez way. Like if it involves a goal decision, then yeah, it's a handball. But if it's any other part of the part but of the pitch, and if it's and not like yeah, but this is the thing, catching like, the ball. But any other part of the pitch, that's where the rules fall apart. Because if you can't, not have, really. There's a difference between the centre circle and the goal. No, but there shouldn't be. Yeah, there should. If be. you're being objective, there shouldn't be. Why? Why? Because the foul is a foul no matter where it occurs. Not necessarily. A crime it, is a crime. No matter who does it against who. Football is not a crime. Not, not yet. <laughs> that's that's just how it was. Like, you know, if you want to elevate things to different levels, you can, but I don't think... Yeah, because different parts of the pitch has, are treated differently. Like, uh, you don't it shouldn't get, be. You don't get a point for getting the ball into the centre circle. You get, a, you get a point or a goal for putting into the back of yeah, the net. Yeah, but that's, that's separate. That's not the rule. Yeah, that's separate, exactly. Yeah, but they're not in the rules. Yeah, they are. No, but there's, like there's a rule that says you ask, the ball is getting the net. The lack of objectivity in refereeing and how it's not consistent, and then you immediately talk about how oh you shouldn't have the same rules in the yeah, box. Yeah, but when it comes to a goal, I'm talking because then you get situations which already exist. I'm not talking have... about the box. I'm talking about the goal line, which is already different to the rest of the pitch. <sighs> I don't. A, a, a foul is a foul. Not necessarily. I think I'm. I am a completely different opposite of you to most people. I think on corners, if people want to tussle in the corner, fine. Everyone does it. Both defenders and attackers do it in both boxes. Just let it off. And for the last twenty odd years, it's been going the defenders' way, and I think hopefully when VAR coming, it has. And when VAR comes in, it'll probably go the offend the offensive team's way for about ten years before everything equates and players stop pu- pushing and shoving and actually learn how to defend yeah, or attack actually, at set pieces. If you actually look at most corners, though, you can see defenders and attackers pulling on. I know. Pits. So I know. how do you define who gets the? I think fifty percent. You'll see it. Fifty percent of it will go. We'll get a lot more penalties, like we saw in the World Cup. Like England got a few no, of them in the World Cup, and you'll also see freeze out, which we won. They got a couple. No, they got one. Did they? Or they scored from that position. I thought they got one against Colombia and they got one Yeah, against... one against Colombia, that's it. Did they not get a couple against uh, Panama? No. Like that? I thought they did. No. No? No. Harry Kane? Harry Kane got a hat-trick, but I don't think it was from that. Okay, maybe not. But just don't have a free kick, don't have a penalty. Unless it's like someone's yeah, actually ripped you're, the you're, kick. You're going into two wrongs making a right all of a sudden. Yeah, why not? You're bad for this two wrongs make a right, Malarkey. But like, they're... if. You can't define when the first foul was called, so why give a foul at all? <laughs> but that's what, that's my point. If both teams are doing it, then leave them off. Yeah, but that's not right. Like two wrongs make, don't make a right. But then who? What? What's right? Why give it to the attacker when you both come are to doing the, you, it? You have two choices. You either be completely subjective what you said, or you do it by temporal. Uh, no, but my question, point is, who did it? Who did but it my point first? is, say you grab my jersey and yeah. I grab your jersey, we did it at the exact same time. Who gets the foul there? Well, you, you, in those cases, we'd have to bring it to VAR and we'd have to but see what who they, touch each other. At but the same then we go—that's just nonsense. And if it turns out that it's at the exact same time, then there's a wonderful thing called a hot ball. Nah, hot balls are crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's J. No, it's an, it exists in every sport. I don't like hot balls. Okay. Still set up quite interesting with the active back. It was almost like a, a 4-2-1-3-1. It was, it was quite an interesting formation. Well, from some off-field nonsense or off-goal nonsense of He's not happy with handballs. I just think it's the rules of football could do with a bit of change. We didn't even touch on the offside rule. 
Well, we've got ourselves a midweek feast of Premier League football action to bring us back to the good stuff, the real stuff. Maybe I'll actually get to see a goal. Somehow after... Mauricio Sarri has not been sacked. Well, I think the, the nil draw, I think, saved the skin for another week. And the fact that they've got Tottenham next the up. The Kepa situation. Yeah, but the fact that no two wrongs don't make a right. You don't want to bring in a new manager and have Tottenham be the first match either. Think about think about the genius of Ed Woodward. Yeah, but like, first match Cardiff. True, true. Cardiff. And Cardiff away is a lot Zola's nicer first than Tottenham. Match. Or John Terry's first match. Would be or Zola. Steve Holland. Or Steve Holland. No, it'll be Zola. Why would they give it to anyone but Zola? Because why would you give it to Zola? Because he has Premier League experience with West Ham. Yeah, and he did a terrible job with Birmingham. And he had Watford. And he did okay with Watford. He didn't really. Uh, but yeah, but he did all right with Watford, and he, you know, he did okay with West Ham. He did okay with West Ham, kept did in the league terribly with Birmingham. Just yeah, but I think it turns just out. Bring in John Terry. Just yeah, bring in Terry, John Terry to the there. End of the season. Fat Frank is available from Derby County. Well, he's apparently turned it down already. Oh, was it? But why would you? Why would he take it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I where know. is Ryan Giggs? Better yeah. yet, where's Rodri Giggs? Yeah, I saw that. That's a really one good way to stick it to him. Not some stupid betting ad. So how do you see Tottenham against Chelsea going? Tottenham lost at the weekend against uh, Yeah, Tottenham Mike were Dean. poor against Burnley. They've been poor against for a long Mike time. Dean. Mike Dean, yeah. Whatever Mike Dean said to Mauricio Pochettino, we didn't talk about it. Mike Dean said something to Pochettino that was off camera. And Pochettino lost the rag. Because he'd already gone over to him to express his uh, disgust with a, a corner kick given instead of a goal kick. Yeah, and the, and the corner goal. led to a goal, yeah. Uh, which I think is what he's saying. But then he walked away after that. And then Mike Dean said something to him. And then he went apoplectic, as did his assistants, with his wagon finger in his face. And whatever Mike Dean, he didn't have any of it. He's been removed from that Chelsea Tottenham match. He yeah, was supposed to be the fourth official, yeah. Yeah, which you know, probably is good for his <laughs> the own. The closest possible position to Rizzi Pochettino. Chelsea Tottenham, you remember this a few years ago. Chelsea Tottenham has been a... The Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, it's been a bit of a... And it's at Sanford Bridge. So it's been a bit of a arduous match in recent years. Chelsea... I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea win this. Just because Tottenham, as we said many times, they've been so fortunate with their late goals, with their underwhelming performances and with their d- ability to dig out matches. And their and, commitment to not drawing. Yes, it is. They've yet to draw a I hope they get to the end of the season. So, um, that's the real narrative of this that, season. Yeah, that would be... Because that's the only thing this, they'll be remembered for, really. If, if we get down to the final weekend, I'm saying this and now... they draw their last no, no, if we get to the final weekend of the season, there's still a title fight, we're still doing the top four race and we're still doing a relegation battle. Yeah. First thing we should talk about is Tottenham not drawing. <laughs> Pop the champagne. Hey! Congratulations to Rizzi Magetino. No, His parting gift. Poor, poor... <laughs> Oh, yeah, before he leaves to go to Man United. The irony. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Chelsea could win this match because Tottenham have been four. They've che- played well against Chelsea. Have, this is an absolute mental match because... Tottenham did finally win Kepa the Bridge last year. Does Kepa play? Does, really Kepa, yeah, does Rob not? Green come on and play against Spurs? See, why don't we play both of them? <laughs> At the same time. Kepa, Kepa can try it out in midfield. Yeah, week. you could. You said that yesterday. You should have brought on Caballero for Rudiger. Yeah. And then put Rudiger in goal, or Cavalero in goal. See, the thing is, I don't think Kepa would drop himself. And it's clearly his decision. Yeah, it is. He is the manager of the team at this point. How old is Kepa? 22? She's very young. Yeah. About half the age of... More than half. More than half the age. Uh, I think it's 60, 61. Uh, the other matches that are on <laughs> during the midweek, which we kind of spoke about a bit, Crystal Palace, Man United. 
Can you I give think me some quick predictions here. Man United to win. Arsenal are playing Bournemouth Arsenal to win. Man City yeah, are playing Arsenal West Ham. Win at home Man City Bournemouth. to win that match, even though they'd be probably completely wrecked after the last two matches. You don't think West Ham, uh, Pellegrini, his former side, can do a job? I thought they they'd have you know there would be a chance in there, but you said they're at home. I think they just have to grind it out, and I think maybe a few players who didn't get much of a chance against Chelsea or Schalke and like Raheem, uh, Raheem, not Raheem, Riyad Mahrez. And Gabriel Jesus. No, Gabriel is injured apparently. That's why he oh, didn't come really? on in the Carabao Cup final. Then why was he there? I, I don't know. You just put him on the bench. <laughs> I thought they might bring him on to take a penalty. But yeah. Yeah, but not. I thought a few of these players might get a chance. They haven't played much in the last week. Phil Foden. Phil Foden, as we've said, he scored two goals against Newport. The mighty Newport. Like, it's, it's a chance for Man City to rotate a bit. To maybe get a few of, like, Danilo in there. John Stones. John Stones, as we said, whatever has happened to John Stones. And to win that match, uh, Liverpool is against Watford's the last big match. Liverpool have to win that. So who do you think is going to win? You think Chelsea are going to win? You think all the home sides basically except Man, Man United, United probably do Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace are very near to their summer holidays. I think Man City and Liverpool will both drop points. Could happen. I I, I'm it. absolutely certain that between now and the end of the season, both of these teams will drop points. Oh well, yeah, think... ne- then neither team are going to go unbeaten. You would mm. think it may- they might go unbeaten, but they'll drop. They'll, yeah, draw they'll drop two points. or three. They'll yeah. at least drop points. But this is what I'm saying: is like at the end of January, Liverpool first took over the league leaders. I still thought Man City would come back by the end of the month. They didn't quite make it by the end of the month, but they did in early February, and it's been pretty close still. And both teams are still going to fluctuate a bit, but I still think Man City will probably pull it out at the end of the day. Yeah, so I, I think Arsenal will win. I, the Chelsea-Tottenham match is an interesting one because Tottenham usually have a terrible record at Stamford They did win there last year and Chelsea are just such a disgrace. But they're not. But they then actually they played they well. They showed up in performance. Yeah, they played they're well on a tight match. pitch. Higuain are probably starting this match. Hazard played well. Like, but the thing they is scored though, five last week if you remember that or two no. weeks ago it was against Huddersfield yeah but they scored the, three against Malmo at home but the thing is Giroud scores well Giroud's not going to play I'd be surpri- very surprised if Giroud started but the thing is though like there's a difference between a cup final and just playing another league match in which they already seem like they've given up on the league yeah but they ha- if they don't win that they're gone from the top four oh definitely especially if, my, if Arsenal if Arsenal and Arsenal both win if they win, yeah, definitely. If they both end up losing, then it's Chelsea have kind of got a freebie there. Mm. Uh, I think Arsenal will be Bournemouth. I think that's a pretty comfortable one for them. They're probably the best performance in a long time at the weekend against Southampton. Uh, finally played just one of the strikers. And I think four two three one is what Emery wants to do with Arsenal. And it was good to see him actually do that this week. Yeah. Although without Mesut Ozil, but you what you think would be the ideal formation for him he did come on they'd already won the match and he yeah. did come on like they won a I want to see him start match. though he did start against uh, Barry Borisov and was the better player that felt very much like you're in the Europa League team yeah, yeah. if but the League Cup the was still going you'd be playing in that team yeah. uh, and then Chris Pass Man United uh, Chris, I mentioned earlier Chris Pass kind of problem scoring goals it, it very much depends on how many players can come back from injury from Man United but, but you said because the Palace have a problem yeah. scoring goals, they're I, I, safe I now. I could see to grind that like, one out. Will Saha could do something against because he loves he loves putting on a performance against Manchester United to show them what they miss. Out Last on. year, of course, was a mad game between these two. Yeah. It was two 0 Palace and then three two Man United. Emmanuel Manish yeah. scoring his uh, annual goal of the season contender. Yeah, but that was that was a precursor for Manchester United performances to come, which was just yeah very awful and then just about recovering just through the sheer will of the players on the field that was the first time Jose Mourinho had been 2-0 down in a Premier League game and gone on to win oh. or I think he even gained a point I think good, he'd only good, done that good for him. maybe once before that I thought that was interesting um, good for Jose so, Mourinho's now <laughs> historic yeah, career really helped create a, a legacy in Manchester 
Um, so yeah, I, I can see Man United going to that one. I think Man City and Liverpool will drop points. I think I can see them both drawing because I think West Ham. I think West Ham are in good patch of form at the mm-hmm. moment. Very comfortable against an admittedly poor Fulham side. Yeah. Uh, as I said, Pellegrini is former side. I don't think he'll want to do them any favors after the way they treated his exit from the club. Yeah. And I think Watford are just in good form. Liverpool are clearly a little tired. I'd like to see Shakiri start for Liverpool, although he was pretty poor when he came on. We'll see if Firmin- Firmino is injured because I think that's kind of been forgotten that he went off injured as well for Liverpool. Yeah. So maybe he'll. We'll see if he starts or not, and what they do if he doesn't. Yeah, they 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 have a bit of rotation to to bring on players. A quick word for the weekend matches. Then we have a few uh, derbies. Derby, yeah, we have three derbies at the weekend. Uh, Tottenham Arsenal lunchtime on Saturday. I think Tottenham will win that. Yeah. Arsenal's um, record away against big sizes. I don't is think em- Emery still has. Yeah, but he's, it's always been qualified by like. An okay, like some of the performance, like against but Man City, they were so solid. Far. They were solid, yeah, but that's why it's a new era and so with that. I don't know. The Arsenal put up a performance against Spurs. We'll see how, I think that would depend on how. If Spurs win on, I think they might lose at the weekend. I think it'd be like that. It's a tough match. It's a, it's a tough few days for Spurs because that's a, like Arsenal are playing Bournemouth at home, which isn't the like the most taxing match against the team that they, runs. They, they always beat Bournemouth. The least aggressive side in Premier League as, they, as they've been touted. Tottenham will have a tough they're at home but you know Wembley it's a tough home to be at so I think it'll be a tight one I, yeah it'll be a good contest yeah I think so I, I would back Arsenal that but you say Spurs Man City Bournemouth I think that's a Man City win all yeah, over I, regardless I, of how it goes I, in midweek I though. actually think Arsenal will have an easier time against Bournemouth than Man City just because I think Bournemouth they have a totally different yeah plus they're at home against away. Man City so exactly yeah, yeah. Then uh, uh, Man United Southampton. Uh, that's I think United that's yeah. The last that. time they played was what two all. That was Mark Hughes getting sacked. Yeah, was it two all or did they lose? It was two all. Yeah. Two all. Mark Hughes got sacked. Two 0 up and then yeah, the free kick. I remember, but I think that will be a, a a victory for Manchester United because Southampton uh, just don't score. Yeah, they have issues with it. They're still in that relegation battle, despite you know Definitely. putting in better performances since the new manager has come in. And then the the last big match I'd say at the weekend with Fulham Chelsea. We can it's a derby in itself, but. Pff, I think Fulham are down and out at this point. Chelsea will probably win that. Yeah, I expect Chelsea to win that one. And then Everton Liverpool on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. It's a must win for Liverpool. Definitely. Everton have nothing much to play for between now and then season, other than pride, obviously, and very you know. <laughs> I don't important. think they have much left after the season. Yeah, but it's just that's that's as we said about Leicester City. It's a terrible thing to say, and I know it must be for very frustration for people. But it's par for the course. You have whatever between the seventh and the twelfth highest wage bill, highest spend, or whatever, and it generally. You know, translates into a a finishing place between seventh and twelfth. Yeah, I think Liverpool will see that out that one out. I think because just Everton have been quite poor. Like if they can't get it up for the derby, then they obviously have issues. And they did play well yeah. at Anfield earlier yeah. in the season, but I think but, that was also the last time they played yeah. well. This Plus season. Liverpool, I'd say a lot of their, if you know, historically they do play well against Watford, and they're playing them in midweek. Will they get a bit of their scoring boots back on against Watford and then carry that into Everton? Because they need it, like they yeah, they have definitely. not played well since two nil alls in a draw in a row now. Yeah, and it's like you can say, teams have figured them out after last season. The likes of Salah looks tired when he's playing two matches a week, and he does. He doesn't look like whenever he plays two matches a week, you're only getting them out of one performance, really. Like Wes Hulan. Yeah, you saw him earlier in the season. It happened like this as well, and he was like, he play well in the Champions League and then not do anything in the league, or he play well in the league and not do anything for two weeks in Champions League, and it's carrying with the other players now. Firmino hasn't been up there they're playing he's trying to do different things and trying to change it up by playing Origi or Sturge and that really isn't working Origi just isn't good enough yeah I don't like he does have that kind of uh, Yaya Sinogo-esque he'll like, run 
No, but it's not even that. He's just kind of you don't. He's a wild card. You don't know what's going to turn the box. He's just moving in all these different directions. He did score the weirdest goal I've ever seen yeah, this season. It's up there. And then just a quick word on the the non Premier League match that's up this weekend. The biggest match potentially in club football, depending on who you ask. At the well, Bernabeu, El Clasico. Oh, I thought you were going to say Napoli and. No, no, Napoli are playing Juve, but that yeah, is the that least interesting first v second match that I've yeah. ever seen. But this is actually they're playing twice this week. Yeah, they're playing in the cup midweek, and then yeah. they're playing uh, in the Bernabeu on Saturday evening. Yeah, but they're playing. Are they not playing both matches in Madrid? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, I think Barca will want. I think they can afford to lose the league match. Yeah, they can. But I think they'll want to win the cup match for the because it's Ooh, almost a guaranteed was trophy. It, was it one one in the first leg? Yeah. In, but there's no away goals. No. I don't think is there away goals. Um, there might. We be. need to. We need I'm to check that. Sure. Up. I think there are. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Barcelona will target, and I think they've said this that you know they can go to Madrid and win. I think Messi said that after the match. Messi, of course, off the back of his fiftieth hat trick. Yeah, uh, his career, which is yeah. insane. And he could have had more in that match as well. He, he had got an assist. An assist, yeah, three goals. And, and assist. I just want a quick word on that volley, which was very weird because I've never seen him score a goal like that. Yeah, before. but it's because that's not the way Barcelona plays. But it's just so weird to see him doing it. They don't so, hit the ball up in the air that much. He has scored headers. Like, he scored, yeah, Champions he scored header. A, yeah, that's the most famous one. But it's just like obviously it was good technique. You'd expect Messi to have good technique on a volley. It's just. Yeah weird to see him do it I've never yeah. seen him score a goal like that yeah. before well, he and did it and he looked he like he scored, been doing it all his life even though he scored 700 odd goals in his career I don't think he, he scored, he scored 700 odd goals has he? Is it that, it's, no he's it played like 700 odd matches it's at least 500 is it yeah he, he scored 300 something no I think he's only scored like 300 I will, I will look this up because yeah, he has an absurd amount of goals but like you said, I think Barcelona will focus on the match in midweek. And I think Real Madrid could well have the match at the weekend, but it won't matter at all because Barcelona are clear on top of the league. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like Barcelona have an extra point over Real Madrid because there's no way Real Madrid are going to turn around the head-to-head. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just looking up now how many goals. <laughs> Come on, Messi. Career. We need to end the show. <laughs> We've been going on too far, far too long. Well, you did sing at the start as well that... Uh, the five seconds at the start. That's glorious. This is an out of date oh, answer, you're... but I want it. And this is the the joy of dead air. Yeah. Right uh, now. What are your plans for the weekend? I don't know. I'm going to check how many goals Messi scored because I'll probably get there before you will. Messi has scored 408 goals for Barcelona and 65 goals for Argentina at senior level. That he was... has scored for Bar- 11 goals for Barcelona being C and B. And he's also scored 16 goals for the underage teams. Is that uh, up to date? Yeah. Okay. That's I was close to 500. I thought he got 500 for Barcelona recently. Did we not do that on the podcast? It's 500 Counted goals. Ha- for the domestic league only. So yeah, so maybe it's just the domestic league. So yeah, he probably has over 500 goals. Yeah. But I've never seen him score one quite like that one. It was a good goal. In terms of all of those goals, it would rank like top 200 maybe. <laughs> But well, it depends on what you want from a goal. Do you want like a unique, skillful way of playing? Oh, I like the, I like the ones where he just dribbles past half the team just because he makes it look effortless. But that's a whole other discussion. We're going to close out the show today. I uh, hope you enjoy uh, the nice slew of matches ahead for the next week or so. We'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week as well. Uh, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Definitely. And uh, we'll be back again next Monday. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. You can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram. 
You can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.